You're listening to ABA One-on-One Podcast. The American Basketball Association is the largest pro league in the world. Some great opportunities for team ownership are available and the cost may surprise you. If you've ever thought about team ownership in a pro league, give us the opportunity to help make it a reality. Reach out to us for more info. For USA teams at www.abaliveaction.com. In Australia, go to www.abaleagueaustralia.com. Hi guys, CJ here. We currently have a few positions available for relationship managers. If you would like the opportunity to work in sports marketing, this could be it. The ABA is the largest pro league in the world and partnered with the AAU representing over 700,000 athletes around the world building business relationships, and helping bring new audiences to every business we're working with is the goal. You're not limited to one state or region. Businesses partnering with sports is always a win-win for the community. Sound interesting? Then drop us an email and give more information at jobs at aba101.club. And we'll get back to you right away. You're listening to ABA One-on-One Podcast. Hey guys, it's time for a new episode of ABA One-on-One. Open up, uh, yeah. Open up now. Open up. Open up, yeah. Open up. Open up, open up now. Hey guys, welcome back to another ABA one-on-one. Today on the show, we have Australian legend, Leonard Copeland, even though he's from America, he's still a legend over here. And I got my boy Rick back with me and Brian may be checking in. We, we, we just hold an open wait for him to see, you know, it's one of those things. Australia's still in weird lockdown, but, uh, Anyway, uh, Leonard, welcome to ABA one-on-one, my brother. CJ, thanks for having me, man. I'm, I'm happy to be here. Yo. Yeah, you know, CJ, been, thanks for coming on, man. Yeah, we've been trying to hook up with you on many levels for a long time, so it's good. <laughs> hey, man, I tell you what, though, being in lockdown, you, you find that there's not a lot to do. Uh, I've lifted every weight I can lift. I've done every push-up I can do. I've watched everything <laughs> on Netflix, my friend, uh, every basketball show. So uh, this is the right time because I was a bit bored. Let me tell you that. (laughs) Oh, my God. All right, Rick, we're going to let you kick it off, man. You got anything you want to throw my man's way? No, like I said, I I Googled him and did a little research on him. And, wow, you're an impressive. uh, uh, What I wanted to ask, and I try to start off every show kind of asking, you know, the transition – between college, I know you played at Georgia State. Um, mm-hmm. I coached at Stetson. And oh, really? Wow, yeah. Okay. Georgia State was in our conference. It was the yes, old attack. Yep. Trans-American Athletic Conference. But anyway, you were at Georgia State. Who, who did you play for at Georgia State? I played for Bob Reinhardt. Uh, oh, Bob yeah. Reinhardt was the head coach. He was the, um, he was a scout for the Atlanta Hawks. 
And yeah. um, I'll tell you an interesting story, Rick, if you guys got time. I, um, I didn't play high school basketball and I didn't play any little league basketball. I was sort of one of those neighborhood uh, sports guys that just did everything. I played football in the neighborhood. We had baseball, stickball. And then there was a basketball court around the corner from me. And uh, we used to play that every week, you know, every day. We'd be out there playing. And I tell these kids today, they don't realize when we say we played eight hours a day, it was eight hours a day because we didn't have iPhone or we didn't have video games. It was all about playing outside and just having fun. And, and that's what yep. I did. So I got better. I, I got better playing every single day. And then in high school, my junior year, my brothers and sisters all went to the same high school. My mom and dad went to the same high school. Um, and so on our, at home in our mantelpiece, we had trophies everywhere. I, my two sisters ran track. One was a cheerleader. My two brothers both played football and one was a basketball star. So, you know, everyone had something up there except me. And, and every thanks you guys know, Thanksgiving, we always have a big dinner or whatever. And people come over and my, my, my brother, um, who, uh, who passed away about, five years ago, rest in peace. He used to always tease me, say, when you gonna put something on the mantelpiece? When you gonna get a trophy? When you gonna get something on the mantelpiece? <laughs> and, um, and it bothered me a little bit. You know, I laugh it off and people laugh, but it was always a house full of people. My mom would cook dinner for everyone. And mm -hmm. uh, that junior year, I tried out for basketball. Now I wasn't great and the team was pretty good. It was Booker T. Washington. They were pretty, they had a pretty good team. And and, you know, I tried out for that team and got cut my junior year, a little disappointed, you know, went out for football. And I'm, I'm, I'm back then, I'm 5'10 and weigh 100 pounds, okay? I'm trying to play football. But really, I like the game, but I'm just trying to get something on that mantelpiece. You understand what I'm saying? I'm trying to, I'm trying to get something, some kind of trophy, a letter or something up there. And uh, played football ran cross country. But I said, look, man, I want to play basketball. So my senior year, I went out for basketball and got cut again. And, um, you know, it, it was, it was one of those things. I, maybe I'm just not designed to play basketball, but that summer I grew six inches. I, I can remember standing in my mother's door and she said, your pants are too short. We got to tell, I just bought those pants. We got to take you to get some more pants. <laughs> and, um, you know, how kids grow over the summer. Oh yeah, and um, and and so that summer, I didn't I didn't know what I wanted to do, man. I didn't want to know if I wanted to go back to college. There was about six or seven of us got a job at the Herald Sun, the um, I, I'm sorry, at the Atlanta Journal Constitution in Atlanta. So it was about seven guys. We all started working there, pushing those big roles. And I'm like, man, do I really want to be doing this? You know what I mean? But it it was almost like my senior year because. All the guys were my friends. So it was like going to school every day. You know what I mean? We goofed around at work. We got in trouble. And I was sitting in the, um, I was sitting in this, I see Brian's, Brian's on, Brian. Yeah, Brian, man. Yes, sir, what's up? Yeah, hey, man. You How you doing, man? Story. You probably haven't heard it a couple of times, but uh, I thought I'd cover it. Um, and I, right. I was, I was, um, I was sitting in the locker room at work and we had these blue uniforms. And it said it had our name on it and it had Atlanta Journal Constitution on the other side. And we we started at about 7 a.m. that morning. And so we got there about 6:30 and changed and we're sitting in the locker room. And the older, the older crew, the night crew came in 
and they had the same uniforms. And then this old guy, he man, he was, I'm talking about, he was probably 60, 63, 64, but he was great. He looked older. I'm, I'm old, but he looked a lot older, okay? He, he scuffled in there and he said, you young boys, you, got, you take over. And I said to myself, that day, I had been there three months. I said, man, there is no way I'm gonna be here for another 30 years doing this same job. No way. <laughs> I said it to myself. I can remember saying it like it was yesterday. Wow. That day, I walked into the office of the boss. His name was Marcus Fan. I remember his name well. I walked in. I said, Marcus, I said, thank you for the opportunity, but I don't think I can work here anymore. And he said, why? What happened? I said, nothing happened. I just think I want to do something else. I went home, talked to my mother and sister. I said, look, I want to go back to school. And, and then Georgia State was not far from where I lived. So I'm going to try Georgia State. I had Marsh Brown. I had Morehouse. I had all these colleges that were close. But I said, I want to go somewhere different. Went to Georgia State. And as I was walking th through the campus, I walked into the stadium and the courts and the coach was, he was brand new. It was his first year. And he said, listen, we're having uh, tryouts in about three weeks. Come down and have a look at it. And, uh, and then, and, and, you know, the rest is history. I, uh, I tried out. 32 guys tried out. I was the only one to make it. I got a scholarship, four-year scholarship from not playing wow. any high school basketball four years. And things just worked out for me because my first couple of years, I didn't touch the floor. I didn't play. My, my third year, someone got hurt. Harlem Graham, who was a, a, a rookie at Clemson, he came in. He got hurt. I jumped into his spot. And then my fourth year, I was leading the team in scoring. So um, from there, it was, it was the NBA and – CBA and, and Australia and everywhere else. So, wow. Yeah. Uh, it's amazing. You know, stories like that are very uh, prominent. A lot of, like, there's a lot of stories like that. And I, you know, me personally, I think it's so, so very impressive that people are, pre they persevere and they hang in there and they go play in all these leagues and somehow and, they, and it works out for them. I think it's awesome. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's a story that, it's still unbelievable to me because of how, I mean, how much I went through. I mean, after leaving college, um, I had a scout that we had scouts come watch us play and the amount of all-stars on my team, because we had guys come from the university of Georgia to transfer. We had a guy from Clemson to transfer. And we had a guy from Florida. Daryl Gresham was a rookie, rookie of the year, his freshman year. Harlem Graham was a rookie of the year, his freshman year at Clemson. And we had guys from the University of Georgia who all transferred. So my whole team was just full of superstars on that college team. And I was little, it was little old me who didn't play, and I was trying to learn the game as I go. And I was the only one out of the school that, that sort of uh, that, that went, went pro uh, up until a couple of years ago when, when, um, when um, the kid who was playing with the City Kings now just – they got drafted who's uh, playing for the city Kings now is going to play. So, yeah. 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 Wow. Wow. That's nice awesome. Well, see, you've had a, you've had an awesome career, Nard. Now I've known you for forever. It seems like, you know, but in respect to that, could you tell our listeners, and again, you have a great story to tell, but can you tell our listeners that next step? You know, when you, 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 you fought the hard fight, you, you battled through, you never gave up on your dream. But when you finally stepped on that NBA court, 
and had that NBA uniform on, what was that feeling like to you? Can you describe those emotions to us? It's, it's, uh, I don't know if you've seen um, Allen Iverson at his Hall of Fame um, uh, speech when he oh, talks yeah. about seeing Michael Jordan for the first time and, it was, and how everything was a, a haze and he just didn't believe it. You know, let me tell you, when I got on that floor, when I finally got on that floor, because trying out, let me, let me just go back a little bit. When I tried out for, because I didn't get drafted, there was a scout that came to college to watch us play. Now, I got invited to the Los Angeles Lakers rookie camp. And that particular year, they brought in two teams. Now, usually they bring in, most teams bring in 15 to 18 guys, and then mm -hmm. they cut them down, and then they invite one or two to the veterans camp. Okay, that's how it's done. Well, this year, lucky me, we got two teams of 15. So I got to battle 30 guys to try to make a roster spot. And, um, again, I didn't know a lot about it, but I knew I wanted to play basketball. And I got to camp, and I remember – uh, me being from a smaller school, there were guys there from big schools. Me being from Georgia State, which was, like you said, in the tank, not a lot of people knew about it. My jersey, they gave me one of those old jerseys in the back. You know what number I had? Number 108. I didn't even have a basketball number. I had, a, I had number 108. I remember that number like it was yesterday. And um, we, we, we... Illegal had, number. Uh, illegal number. We, we had our little training camp, Brian, and and so um, there was another guy on the team that played, that was from Atlanta, and, he's, and he was on the first team. They had me on the second team. And they played and lost. They lost the first game, and he came off the floor. He said, listen, if you guys lose tomorrow, they're going to cut all 15 of you guys. We're on the first team. So, you know, it had me a little bit nervous. And we played at Loyola Marymount. Um, that's where the, the, yeah. the, the summer league was held back then. And yeah. this was the first year Dave Robinson – came out of the academy, okay? Dave, it was Dave's first year. So everyone was excited about seeing Dave Robinson. So they put Dave on the rookie team just to get some run. They, back then, like they would never do that now, but back then they wanted Dave. Dave, wanted, I guess he must have wanted to play. They brought him in. So we played San Antonio, and I'm playing with the Los Angeles Lakers. Something, I don't know what it is about L.A., because L.A. for me is like gold. I could not miss a shot. I think I, I, I had... 32 points the first game. And there were, I had a, I, back then, I, all I could do was shoot and dunk. I could dunk everything. I, I tried to dunk everything. And somebody <laughs> yep. shot a jump shot and it came off the rim. And you know how you go up and catch the ball and you, and you, you whoever's under the rim, you put your legs on, on their neck or you try to, you try oh, to yeah. basically embarrass oh, them. Yeah. Well, oh, happy yeah. to be Dave Robinson standing under that rim. And I caught that dunk. And I grabbed it, and, and people went berserk because the gym was sold out. <laughs> people went nuts. But luckily right. for me, um, Harold Katz and Jimmy Lynham, who Philadelphia owner and, and the head coach, yeah. were sitting in the Jim stands. Lynham. Jimmy Lynham, yeah. yes. Sitting in the stands. Yeah. So the next game, we play against Philadelphia. All right? So I'm play, I play in two games. And they tell you when you go to L.A., if you go on this rookie camp, pack for a month. You're going to be there for a month, okay? So I got two yep. suitcases, man. I, I, I got every pair, of every pair of shorts, and every 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 shirt I own. I got it in this bag. <laughs> and I get to LA, man, and we play those two games. I had thirty-two the first game, and I had thirty-five the second game. I couldn't miss. 
it was something that came over me. Now, I know I worked on my game a lot, and I did all the right things, and I put up a lot of points. I put up a lot of shots, but it was just something about the offense that the Lakers were running. It was, it was get it and go. And you pull up. when you If you got a shot, you pull up. Um, and they were calling me Cooper, like Michael Cooper. Little Coop is what they were calling me. Man, <laughs> yep. I, I couldn't miss. I, I tell you, it was one of those. You, everybody who's played ball, you have those times in your life where you just can't miss. And this is this is one of the times. I played on a Tuesday and a Wednesday, 32 and 35 points. And then I go in the locker room and take a shower. And then uh, one of the players said, somebody's out front when they want to talk to you. So I, I towed off and went outside. And it was Jimmy Lineup and Harold Katz. Yep. And they said, listen, we just lost David Wingate. David Wingate, I don't know if you guys remember David from uh, Georgetown. Yeah, okay. yep. David Wingate had a fight with um, Harold Katz. David and the owner had a big fight and they cut him. And he said, you remind me of David Wingate. You got the high box. My hair was high at the high box. He said, you look like David <laughs> Wingate. I remember him saying that. He said, listen, how would you like to play for the 70s, 76ers? Now, I have no idea about agents, uh, anything. I'm out there by myself, okay? Yeah, yeah. Remember, I've only played four years of ball my whole life. I've never, I had four years of basketball. That was it. I didn't know the, how the thing worked. So I called my college coach. I said, listen, um, I got a little dilemma here. I'm, I'm with the Lakers, and the Sixers want me to play for them. He said, what? What are you talking about? That was Bob Reinhardt. I said, coach, he said, look, I'll call you back. So he called Philadelphia and talked to Jimmy Lynham. And Jimmy said, look, we want him. And he called me back and said, listen, I'm going to send you a, guy, a guy's number who's an agent in L.A. He's going to come see you at your hotel. You guys sit down and talk about it. And the late, then back then, the, 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 the minimum was $110,000 for a guaranteed contract. Now, the Lakers said, listen, now we're not going to let him go that fast. We like him, too. So we'll give him $55,000 to come to Vets camp. And then Philadelphia said, no, nah, we're going to give him the whole one hundred and ten. dollars we're going to guarantee his contract for a year. This was unheard of yeah. back then, though. You don't play two games and, and then and get a guaranteed contract. I, I don't think that happened today. It certainly didn't happen back then. And um, wow. And so I signed that contract. I signed that contract. And Harold Katz stuck his hand in his pocket and gave me about $800. He said, go get you a steak dinner, and I'll see you at best. <laughs> there you go, bro. There you That's go. a great story, man. That is wow. a great story. Well, now, just out of curiosity, hey. when you were when you was playing in that summer league for LA, who was the coach? That was that Art Ross. Was Art Ross the coach at that time? No, no, for the Lakers, it was um, Fund. What's his name? Fund. Randy Fund. Fund. Yeah. Randy Fund. Yeah. That's Randy the head Fund. coach. Yeah. You guys remember Randy? Yeah, Randy Fund was the head coach. Good yeah. guy. He was a Good great guy. Sure. He let me play too. He said. He said, listen. The ball comes off the rim. You hit the lanes. He said, you see how Magic pushes the ball down the floor? He said, I want you to run the lanes. And if the ball comes to you, get it up. And that's exactly what I did. So he, he was a good guy. He really was. Man. Hey, Leonard, look, man, I don't, I don't want to push us on time too much. But uh, let's let's get forward a little bit, man. Uh, okay. uh, what was it like? You know, in Melbourne, winning a championship with 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 the Gaze family, and <laughs> and 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 then later on coaching at the Kings, man. Well, the the, the championship was was amazing. Um, when I got here, 
Dave Simmons and 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 Dave Colbert were the Dave passed away not long ago, rest in peace. Yeah. Dave Colbert were the imports. Yeah. And um that year, my first year we went to the championship now, we lost that third game. And I was just going to come over here for a year and then try to get back to the NBA. I was 26. I said, man, I'm, I'm, I want to play, though. I need to play because sitting on that bench wasn't great. I want to play. I'm going to get back to the NBA. But we got here. I got here, and we we lost that third game in the championship against the Magic 96. I mean, in uh, 90, 92. And I said, look, man, my, my, my time's not done here. And we got there in 93, uh, started off, picked up Bracky, started off three and nine or something, and, and, and then just went on a tear and played well. We got to Perth, and, and the Tigers had never won a game in Perth. In 10 years of being in that league, they had never won a game in Perth. And you could see this is – and I don't say this often, but they were worried. Like Lindsey and Drewy, Andrew, were, they, they kept saying, we never won a game, we never won a game. And I was like, I didn't get it. It didn't, it didn't, it didn't compute to me. Because because you didn't yeah. win last time don't mean you can't win this time and that's how my mentality yeah. was you know now and, and we got there in that first game we, we beat them here the first game smoked them and they got us a second game but that third game uh, I stepped up a little bit in that third quarter and and made sure we got that win but it was amazing man because you think the days have been in the league for so very long and never made it to that level yeah and I was a part of helping them get there is something I always remember because Lindsay's one of those guys that. He, he's, he's my kind of coach because if you ever watch Lindsey on the sidelines, you don't see him up ranting and raving and pointing fingers. Lindsey would sit back and cross his legs and put his hands uh-huh. behind the back of his head. And yep. when people start saying, well, Lindsey, why don't you, what's going on here? He it's said, true. well, I enjoy basketball. I want to watch the show like everybody else. And so that, that kind of freedom <laughs> as a ball player, let me tell you something, that'll keep you, on that team for a long time because you get to do what you want to do, you know. So, yeah, you could see that you could see the loyalty uh, from the players, and I always, even though you know I'm a Sydney guy, I always uh, respected that. You could just see it, you know. Yeah, yeah. But let me tell you something. Now, no, now you asked me about Sydney. You guys asked me about Sydney. The the, the, the basketball has changed. Okay, let me just yeah. say that. I don't know if you guys realize that, but basketball has changed. The admiration I had for Lindsay. As a head coach, of course, we had our battles. Of course, Lindsay would tell me, don't turn this away, turn that away. But I do it my way. But I, I always respected him. I would never curse him out. I would never have anything bad to say to him. We would talk like men. We discussed it. We moved on, okay? Now, coaching in Sydney, let me tell you why times have changed. Now, times have changed because players make a lot more money than coaches, Okay. Now, all it takes is one or two players that's on. We had guys, I want to say what they what we were making, but we had guys making well over a million dollars or half a million dollars on their contracts. So if you got two or three guys that say, we don't like what the coach is doing, then nine times out of 10, that coach is going to be out the door pretty soon. And that's what's happening yeah, today in the NBA. That's what's happening. Yeah. That's what's happening around the world. These guys are on so much money now that they call the shots. And, yeah. and you sort of lose focus on Bernard, who's coaching the team and who's running the team. Bernard, I, want, yes. I just want to mention, I want to throw something in real quick. Uh, when I, I work out a lot and I always listen to podcasts and I was listening mm-hmm. to a podcast today, wasn't as good as ours, wasn't as good as you. 
But the guy that was talking was a former NBA player, and he was one of his topics was how the how it has changed back in the seventies and the eighties and even the early nineties. The coaches ran the show. Yep. Coaches yep. dictated everything. Yep. But then the money increased, obviously, common sense. Then obviously the players got more and more in control and in control of their own destiny. So that's kind of kind of alluding to what you just said. 100 percent 100 and it's, it's scary, man, because you, you can be you, I mean, most coaches today, and I say this all the time, don't don't get this twisted. Now, if you know the game, you three guys know basketball. You can coach the Sydney Kings. I can coach the Sydney Kings. Because because if you know what you want and if you got yeah. the right horses, then you're gonna be successful. I'm not saying you're gonna win a championship, yeah. but you'll win games if you know basketball. If you watch basketball, you can coach the Sydney Kings or you can coach them in the NBL or in the NBA. Okay. Yeah. Um, but the thing up in Sydney was we gave, I, I, and I say this, and I know people are probably listening, we gave them too much control. We had five veteran guys on that team. Um, mm-hmm. And they made 95% of the decisions about everything. When I say everything, about training times, about what time we want to fly out to the next city, about what time we want recovery, about what time we want weightlifting in the mornings, about how okay. long we want to train, and about what offense and defense we run. Now, yeah, that's, when way, players, that's way too much. That's, that's way too much. And then when players have that decision, it's hard for them to come to a conclusion or a decision because there's so many different yep. variables, okay? We we had a meeting. Listen to me. This is no lie. We had a meeting. If we trained five times a week, we had a meeting four out of five times a week about something that somebody don't like. So it was disruptive the whole this is my third year, the whole third year. Although we won 18 games, which was more than any other team, Melbourne, Melbourne, Perth, Sydney all finished 18 and nine our third year. So we were at the top of the ladder. We finished third because we didn't beat those teams, but all of us finished 18 and nine. So again, people say you guys weren't successful because you didn't win. We, we changed we, 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 we changed a lot of things in city because when we got to city, they were five and five and 21 or five and 22 or something. So we won games. Yep. Okay. We just didn't win a championship and that's what they were looking for. But again, you, you got to weigh in and I'm not making any excuses at all, but you got to weigh in. You got to weigh in players being in control. You got to weigh in. And, and Andrew's the kind of coach where he's more like his dad and he's, he's, he, he He's relaxed. When I say relaxed, he's relaxed face to face. Now on TV, he looked like he was losing his mind. But if you sit down with him, he sit down and he wants to please you. He wants to please players. Whereas I'm a different cat. If I think you're not playing defense, you're gonna come over here and sit with me. You know, that's how I ran my yeah. show. And so we still, and you still need a good guy and a bad guy if you're gonna do it that way. And I was always the bad guy, but I didn't care because someone had to do it. You know what I mean? So Again, it was it's tough. It's, it's tough today to be a coach. And if someone asked me, would you like to coach an NBL team right now? It'd have to be the right players. It'd have to be the right situation. I would not take a job if the players were already picked or I couldn't pick my own players. Cool, man. Cool. Hey, look, we got about eight minutes left. 
Can't go without talking about this, my brother. Okay. Hall of Fame. Talk to me. Yes. I was like, I kept hitting you on Facebook. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> what was that like? Guys, I'm, I'm hating to love you and leave you, but I got to go. I have an appointment. We know. We know, Brian. It was great talking hey. to you, man. But we'll we'll catch up. I still got to get to get you that coaching board, man. So we'll, yeah, we'll I know. Catch up. I'm waiting on it, Brian. Make sure you get your shot, man. Make sure you get your shot, hey, brother. Hey, Brian. Yeah. Hey, Brian. Yes, Rick. Hey, you know what I say? Never. <laughs> Not win the Kentucky Derby with a jackass. <laughs> <laughs> Remember that. <laughs> All right. Famous All right, words of Rick Pitino. <laughs> All right, Brian. See you, Brian. All right, dog. Brian, be safe, Brian. Brian. Be safe, Brian. All right. Hey, Lenard, man, really, tell us what that moment was like. We got about, what, seven minutes left here? So, you know. Six. Okay. Hit us Six up, minutes. brother. It was, it was amazing. You know, look, I, I was um, sitting in the um, – I was up in Sydney, I think I was, yeah, sitting up in the, in the room, and someone – Paul Maley – who, uh, who's been out here, used to be an import for North Melbourne, was was on the board and he called Andrew Gaze to get my phone number. He didn't have my phone number. And Drew, said, Paul's gonna call you. And I said, what does Paul want? You know, and, 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 and then so about, I went back to my room, Paul rang me and said, listen, you know, he's a long time coming, my friend, but we're gonna induct you into the Hall of Fame. So I thought Paul was just kidding at first. I'm like, look, man, Paul, don't play with me like this. Cause I've, you know, I don't care what anybody <laughs> says, you don't, you don't, you're not, you don't start playing basketball for accolades. You don't start yeah. playing to, to be, you know, the best. I, I play basketball because I love the game. Okay. But when someone tells you, you, you made the hall of fame, then it, it's another story. And it, it, and goosebumps, uh, uh, you know, straight away, I'm thinking, who do I thank? Who, 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 yeah, I got to write a speech. I got to thank the right people, you know? And so we had a game that night. Man, I don't even think about that game. I was thinking about the Hall of Fame more than I was the game. You know what I mean? So, um, but then once we got to the, the program this year, the year that they put, they inducted me, they invited every team in the NBL. This is the first time they've done that. They flew every team down, but it wasn't for me. It was just something that the NBL wanted to do. It was the awards dinner. Um, and my speech came in front of 1,500 people. Which was 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 amazing. Um, wow. You get that you get, and I was and I'm, I look. I love I love to talk as you probably can tell, but when you get in front of that that and everyone was talking and everyone was yelling or whatever, and then they, they came up on the mic and said, "Listen, we got this Hall of Famer. We want to induct." And and it got just completely quiet. Everybody stood up. So I had to give about a five minute speech. And wow. man, let me tell you, it was it was it was goosebumps from then on, brother. It was it was goosebumps. My kids were there. It's something that I'll never ever forget, um, and, and and something I'm I'm probably the most proud of. I mean, I played, I made, I made the NBA, you know, and and I won championships, but being in the Hall of Fame is something they can ever ever take take from you. So that's probably what I'm most proud of. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, I was watching, man. I was I was blown away, and and as you know, like you know, I kept sending you a few messages. I'm like, oh yeah. my god, that was man, it's it's great, like. Uh, you know, you're looking at where you started from the playground and and where you where you landed, you know, and it's not about money. It's not about all that. It's about the hard work. And that's what we like to see. That's absolutely. See. Absolutely. That's absolutely. a real basketball story. Rick, you want to wrap me, this thing it, up, man? Is this thing is this uh, Hall of Fame deal that you're talking about? Is it can I watch it on YouTube? 
You, yeah, you you probably should be able to watch it on either YouTube or or Google. Just Google it. What about it, CJ? You the you the guru. Yeah, brother. I'll, I'll send you over the link, man. Don't worry, Rick. I got you covered. I'm not panic on these things. I don't leave you hanging. You know I'm the tech guy. I got you covered. Uh, but anyway, hey, Lenard, man, we want to say thanks, man. Like like you said, um, you know, before the show started, we've been trying to hook up on something. Forever in yeah. a day. Finally, you know, we found something we both could, you know, catch up on. So <laughs> look, guys, if you guys ever need anything, don't hesitate to call me. I'm around. You know what I mean? I'm, awesome. All I'm doing is coaching now and being around. So if you need something, hit me up, brother. Nice to meet you, Rick. You sound like oh, a funny same guy. Same here. Same here, you sound Lenard. Like a real funny guy. <laughs> Lenard is really good because, you know, like I said, we played Georgia State when I was at Stetson. And yeah, uh, Randy Anderson was there. Were, were you there with Randy Anderson? No, I was there with a guy named Randy Brown. Okay, 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 okay. Yeah, okay. Uh, Glenn Wilkes was at Stetson for about 50 years. And then I, uh, our staff took over after after Glenn retired. Oh, okay, okay, good, okay. That old Trans-American Conference with college. Yeah, and- man. Yeah, I did, I did work in that conference. I did work in that conference. I love that conference. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, look, everybody try to have a good weekend. Rick, I know you got one more day, but uh, – over here, we on Friday, so you know, let's let's try <laughs> to make the best of it. <laughs> Don't work on Thursdays and Fridays, man. Good man. Good man. <laughs> you guys stay safe over there. Stay safe, man. And uh, thanks for the opportunity. And uh, stay in touch with me. All right, All right man. thanks, Lenard. And thank Take you for coming yourself. on, Lenard, man. And okay. we do it again, brother. Take care. When Take you care. come back to the states, let me know. We'll hook up. Okay, Rick. Thank you a lot. Appreciate it. Take care. All right, guys. Have a good weekend, everybody. Take care. Sassy B. Worldwide Productions. With over 25 years of entertainment experience, we have done it all. Celebrity appearances, red carpet events, image consultation and branding design. Our clients range from American football stars to Hollywood celebrities and everyone in between. Want to make a splash in the entertainment industry? Then it's time to get sassy. SassyBeeWorldwide.com Well, that's going to do it for this week. Remember, you can keep up with every episode by subscribing via our website. Follow us on social media and tell your friends about us. Next week, new guests, more basketball tips, more basketball stories about the game we all love. Till then, be safe and keep your eyes on the ball. Boom.